Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Welcome to another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And today we are going to delve into the concept of sensual confidence. What is it? And is there a difference, Natalie, do you think, between sensual confidence and sexual confidence? Yes, Oh. There is. Okay. Why did we pick sensual confidence? Because I believe sensual confidence is more all-encompassing. We're talking about pleasure in general on this podcast and we're we're largely focused on sexual intimacy but we don't we don't get to increase our sexual pleasure without also impacting and enjoying an increase in in our pleasure in general and so sensual confidence work is what i do with women to help bring them into a state where they can access higher levels of pleasure in their life Okay. And I like sensual confidence over sexual confidence because sexual really sounds limiting. And and I know that kind of sounds redundant after what you just said, but I kind of mean that in that the term sexual kind of connotates more of the uh, the nitty gritty of the intimate uh, interactions between people, the intercourse or, you know, oral sex or, you know, the you know, actual sexual act where sensual, you know, kind of brings in what you're thinking about and and places that you can touch that are um, that feel wonderful that you know aren't aren't sexual places, but still kind of create some feeling in those more sensitive places that uh, you might you know engage in sexual activity. So it's it's about. I agree with you, Natalie, that it's a broader sense of the word of the the idea of intimacy between people, between sex and sensual. Sensual is much, much more comprehensive. It's receiving pleasure through all the senses. And giving. Yeah, yes, but giving could be touching somebody's hand. I mean, it, it again, sensual giving is is broader. Yeah, so so I want to talk about why most women don't have sensual confidence for a minute as a way to uh, help explain what this is. Okay. Most women don't have sensual confidence because we receive a whole lot of contradictory messaging about our sexuality and whether or not we have permission to be sexy, least of all, feel sexy. There's a double standard set up where... We know as a society that that women's sexuality, our sensual energy, is very attractive and magnetic. Uh, we use it to sell things in this culture. And because we use it to sell things in this culture, because women's sexuality has been used in this way, individual women are afraid that if they are walking around in their in their sensual sexual energy they may be confused for selling themselves 
right? If women's sexuality sells, there is this this question of like, what are you selling? What are you what are you offering when you're walking around in this juicy energy? That is the fear. That is the fear. The embodied experience of it on the other side, once one is walking around in sensual confidence, is that nobody fucks with you because your your energy is too radiant and when you hold respect for yourself and your ability to embody whatever juicy energy you want to, other people can feel that and they respond accordingly. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you're standing next to a queen, that energy doesn't bring out lewd behavior in you. It brings out respect. And that is the surprising experience when you are confident being perceived as sexy. Okay. So society pushes that down. There's also the element of society suggesting this idea that when you're in a relationship with a man, he owns your sexuality. It's only for him. There are relationship dynamics in which men are incredibly insecure about a woman being embodied in any, any of her juicy energy in any scenario that doesn't involve him. We are told that we need to guard and protect and even hide this part of ourselves for our own safety. We're told that it's not safe to be a woman who appears sexually liberated and free and is completely confident being perceived in that way. So what a lot of women will do is they'll, they'll dim their light. They'll shut down. They will shroud their energy and try to go invisible when they don't want attention. And people don't realize that what that does to, to you and your energy and your heart when you are co consistently hiding yourself away and shutting yourself down, you lose access to your full juiciness. You stop being able to just easily slip into that joyful pleasure state and you start to cut yourself off from it because you are literally cutting it off anytime you don't feel safe to be in it. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to getting off with natalieandrocky.com where you can choose your own adventure. So I see quite a few women who are bigger girls. And I hear stories from them all the time about how they turned off their sensual being, their confidence, to stop getting so much undesirable attention. And, you know, sometimes when they're open to hear it, I point out that sometimes what you do is you use your body weight to facilitate shutting off your confidence. And, you know, the women that like realize that that's true, that's what they did. I mean, cause when I mention it, you know, they kind of go, Oh yeah, I did. Didn't I, you know, I mean, they don't say it quite like that, but I mean, they, they realize that they use their weight to not have to deal with, you know, things that they don't want to deal with the attention for men. And it quite frequently, it's women that are the most attractive, you know, when they're young are the ones that have to put on the weight to say no. And when we talk about, you know, that 
okay, well, there's other ways that you can do this. You can turn back on and then you can go out in the world and be confident. But now you're going to have some rules, I guess you would say, or a plan for what you're going to do when you start getting attention again that's undesirable. And so for the younger women that are listening, first thing is be willing to say no thank you. If you're attractive, it's guy's nature to be whatever you want to call it, pushy, aggressive, assertive, and even to the point that it's uncomfortable. And the better that you are just having a nice way to you know, hold your boundaries and say no thank you, the less you'll have to use something like putting on weight to stop getting that attention. I would argue that men are conditioned to be that aggressive. It's not in their nature. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I, think, I think men are, are sweet and loving at heart. And the disconnect is just due to the disconnection from their own hearts. And, and that's why we receive such intense pressure. And that pursuit becomes more about ego than it does the heart. I could point out here too that, you know, I know a lot of this conversation today is going to be about females perception of sexual, sensual confidence, but men lack confidence too. And sometimes it's, they're acting out. It's like, I don't know what to do. They don't have confidence. So it's like, I'm going to follow what I'm told on the internet to do. And that's these stupid lines or whatever, right? So some of what you see men doing is that they're just as afraid of you as you are of them. I want to go back to what you said about weight gain. Okay, of course. (laughs) Weight gain is the body's natural response to trauma. It is literally an attempt to pad ourselves and protect ourselves from painful energy our bodies are receiving. So it's incredibly common for women who were sexually assaulted to gain weight. It's incredibly common for people who were consistently emotionally abused to gain weight and struggle with being able to lose it. That's why at the root of so many so many people's inability to lose weight is their inability to connect to a sense of safety. If our body doesn't feel safe, we cannot lose weight. It's going to hold on to everything that it can in order to make us okay. That's a huge part of sensual confidence as a huge part of what I teach in these sessions is how to train your body what a state of safety feels like. Some of us have literally never had the opportunity to get there. No one teaches us. No one shows us how to, how to regulate ourselves, how to ground ourselves, how to be present in our bodies. That's not a thing that they teach because there are people profiting on us being disconnected and stressed out. I also want to talk about comparison. The The disease of comparison has been planted in our culture in order for people to make money because if we compare ourselves and we don't feel good enough, we're going to buy things to make ourselves feel better. And there's an entire industry on making women feel like they are not sexy or beautiful. And they're going to give you the thing that's going to fix that for you. Yeah, fuck off. (laughs) So... Uh, One of the cornerstones of sensual confidence is completely uprooting 
this the disease of comparison out of your mind, out of your body, just pushing it fully out of your field and dropping that idea entirely. And then coming home to a deep appreciation and gratitude for the gorgeous vessel that you got to be here right now on this planet in and a deep love for it, reverence for it, a feeling of honor, a desire to treat it like a temple, not from a place of, I need it to be better, but from a place of, God, I am so lucky to be here and to have the ability to move this body and to have the freedom to feed it what I want to, taste what I want to, experience what I want to in it. Comparison keeps us locked in this cage. But when we step into this place of self-acceptance and celebrating who we are, I know some gorgeous, curvy, fat women who are sexy as hell. And it's all because of how they feel inside about themselves. They know how to have pleasure in their experience and it just oozes off of them. There is no ideal shape for a woman. There is no version of sensual confidence that is based on looks, on how someone looks. Everything about it has to do with how we feel from the inside, how we feel about being ourselves, how connected we feel to our bodies, how much we are actively loving our bodies, love in action. Like many of us, many, many, many of us grew up with a very neglectful relationship with self-care. We were growing up in situations where we weren't getting our needs met and there wasn't going to be anyone who was going to show up to meet those needs for us. So we just had to like eat the needs, basically. <laughs> Neglect is another massive reason why why people gain weight and struggle to release it because we just sort of bury these things in ourselves we hold them and our body until it reaches a state of safety and our nervous system learns what it feels like to fully relax and let go in the present moment we're literally not physically able to release that stuff because our bodies are geniuses and our bodies are protecting us. Okay. So let me pipe up a little bit. So a couple takeaways for this are one, love yourself no matter what your size, shape, color, anything, right? That's number one. Love yourself. Love who you are. Cellulite, dimples. Doesn't matter. Saggy breastfeeding boobs, <laughs> big belly. If you're not good enough for somebody, they're not good enough for you. They don't know what they're missing. So love yourself. But the reason I brought that up is because when you start building confidence, I want you to know that one of the benefits might be that things might start turning around instead of the way, you know, it still is increasing. Now it's decreasing. And it's like, wow, what's going on? It's like magic. Okay. Confidence sensual confidence and the ability to like manage and feel good about what's happening in the world so that it's not impacting your sensual confidence in a negative way is something that you need to get under your belt just to control things that maybe feel uncontrollable to you. There's another 
piece of this. So part of the reason why I focus so much on safety is because if we are going to deeply connect with each other intimately, pleasurably, sexually, we're going to need to be vulnerable. And a lot of what stops women from fully enjoying themselves in the bedroom is, is that we we can be so stuck in our heads about insecurities or concerns about how we are being received that we keep ourselves from being present in our bodies to actually receive the experience and and feel what's going on for ourselves if a woman's mental energy is stuck spinning in her head about whether or not her partner is judging how she looks with the lights on in the bedroom she's not going to be able to experience much pleasure in her body because she's going to be very disconnected, very unaware of what's happening anywhere. It's funny that you say that because I remember a couple partners that didn't like the lights on and it's like, I, I, I love you. I love what you look like. I want to see. And it's like, no, I don't want you to see. And it's like, that was her not wanting to be vulnerable her not feeling safe fully. It wasn't me not making her safe in that case. It, that was in her head. I thought she was beautiful. I thought, I thought she was perfect. Right. And she clearly didn't understand how to allow herself to open up to a safe experience because she was holding herself, holding herself hostage with her own insecurities. If you had been a little aware in that situation of the messaging that and conditioning that a woman receives around her appearance, it may be helpful in a situation like that to express some empathy and, and say, I understand that the world puts an incredible amount of pressure on a woman to look a certain way. And, there, and women are told from so many different directions that different parts of them look wrong and aren't sexy the way that they naturally are. Because that's kind of the piece that was missing. When you say to us, I think you're sexy, I think you're beautiful. We actually receive that in that moment, more like sexual pressure, more like you're trying to convince us so that we can then have sex and you can get what you want out of the situation. That's how women interpret that experience when we're all wrapped up in our insecurities about ourselves. That's unfortunate because it was it wasn't intended that way. Right, obviously. But what's missing is the empathy and the understanding for our experience because if you break down what you offered it was all coming from your perspective. I think you're beautiful. I think you're sexy and you're not addressing her experience with that response. You're acknowledging with your response that you understand that the problem isn't is that she doesn't feel sexy or beautiful. But you're not demonstrating that you understand why she might have that going on. And I think just that little extra piece of understanding and empathy turns that from a moment of pressure into a beautiful opening healing opportunity for a woman and, and an opportunity to like lean in closer with a man and let him in further because he's saying, I totally understand why you feel this way. The world is fucking cruel to women. Like it, it really is an unfair place if you're trying to feel gorgeous compared to other women. 
because there's just like some superhuman women that are elevated and and there and there's only one particular group of women that are elevated as being beautiful and yet feminine beauty is this incredibly varied thing and men real men appreciate the wide variety that femininity is women with all kinds of bodies and shapes and things they're they're still partnering with men it's like the real average joes out there are not rejecting the reality of women it's just the culture that is still fucking with us and the conditioning that we receive when we're young through the culture so it might take some guys to have some good strong healthy confidence to be able to have those kind of conversations cuz i think it's a priceless you know idea that you just posed that I could have said, and gosh, I, I could see how that would have been, you know, really well received. And I uh, wish I would have done it, but maybe I wasn't as confident myself to be able to articulate something like that. Or it's, you know, potentially just an awareness thing. No one illuminates for us when we're young how the opposite sex operates. You know, there's a lot of division in the way that we are raised and the way that we're conditioned. And we're also like totally programmed with like these these ideas that there are parts of each other that we just can't understand, right? Men are conditioned to think that women are a mystery. We're not a mystery. Like this like just like our menstrual cycle is not a mystery. We know so much more about women these days than we used to. And and the explanations are there. The awarenesses are there. We simply need to lean into each other now and close this gap. So you're right on the path where you're supposed to be. You know, we have, just like I have plenty of early experiences in life in which I wasn't embodied in the awareness that I have now. You know, there are times that I, I let myself be taken advantage of. There are times when you know, I engaged in something that my desire wasn't behind because I felt pressure. And that's part of why we're here having this conversation because those experiences are incredibly common. We're taught to engage in them. We're, we're taught to have them. It's unlearning that we're doing here in this space. So does central confidence have anything to do with what we do with acts that we're involved in, in your opinion, or is that more in the sexual confidence realm? Are you saying confidence in the bedroom? Yeah, the physical part of it. Yes. I think that what is standing in the way from most people from having a truly enjoyable time in the bedroom is insecurity. I think that when people feel comfortable in their own skin and at home in their bodies and like they love themselves, it becomes a lot less complicated to be vulnerable with another person. You know, there's a lot less that we're worried about being seen if if we've acknowledged ourselves and and done that inner exploration and you know, sat with some of our shadows and insecurities and you know, had this inner experience with ourselves, it changes how we show up everywhere in our lives. But certainly if you're in a loving relationship, probably the greatest reward is where you can go in intimacy with someone that you love. Okay. 
Well, that's kind of, you know, my realm. I, I help people with confidence um, when it comes to what I call tools. And that is kind of the, okay, here we are naked. Now, what are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, you know, and, the, and we all have kind of those passionate ideas, the intercourse, tearing each other's clothes off, the things that feels, you know, just look sexy on TV and in the movies and what our intuition drives us to do. But that's only a small piece because eventually if we just kind of go with what's intuitive, you know, if we're in a loving relationship, eventually we kind of start to like get to where it feels like we're doing the same thing over again. And then maybe later again, and it starts to become monotonous and routine. And that's where some people start to like lose sensual confidence because it's like, I don't know what to do to keep this interesting. And so keeping it interesting is one of the things that, you know, will give you some confidence being mysterious on purpose, right? Having new tools and new ideas and being adventurous and experimental, those kinds of things definitely help with your sensual confidence. And the way that you do that is be out there educating yourself about new things that you can try. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go study BDSM now. I mean, you don't have to jump in to the deep end. There's a lot of little nuances that we can employ when it comes to sensuality. And that can be, you know, something like a back rub. Okay. It's like, that's that has to do with sex. Well, yeah, it's sensual, right? We kind of take sensuality and we put so much of it in the sex bucket as opposed to, you know, kind of the broader bucket like we're talking about. So it's like, okay, well, let's take some of these things that are that you think are in the sex bucket and take them out of the sex bucket and go into the sensuality bucket and now we can talk about a back rub. We can talk about you know, just, um, you know, caressing someone's face. We can talk about these conversations that we have that are, you know, so intimate and delicious. Or you can watch my videos and, you know, I give you lots of tools. But those, again, some of those are a little bit more in the sex bucket. But on, on my course is the best she's ever had. One of the things that I show men to do is spend two thirds of the time working on relaxation stuff. So relaxation is sensual. Okay. It's actually, it's very sensual. It's part of what activates uh, the female genitals, relaxation. So we do that with touching our body, all the places that aren't sexual. It's like, again, out of the sexual bucket and more into the sensual bucket, two thirds of the time, only a third of the time is something that's more in the sexual bucket. When you do the work to bring yourself to a place where you feel sexy, then all of this exploration and creativity goes from being potentially daunting or scary to exciting and fun and enjoyable. I would say that a big mistake that people make is they try to learn the technique without doing the work to really like feel comfortable and safe with each other underneath. Because once you've both brought yourselves to a place of total comfort where it's not really a daunting thing to be completely vulnerable in front of your partner, 
that opens up the gateway to just endless fun, basically. When you feel that connected to your partner and truly at home in your skin, then Rocky's courses become a total playground. So if you've listened to us up to this point and you feel at all daunted by the exploration that that Rocky is offering, then I highly, highly suggest setting up a little call with me just to explore if we might be able to help bring you into a place where you can truly feel sexy as you are, because that is what will shift the dynamic in your life in all the areas and opening up that that playful curiosity and exploration, not just in the bedroom, outside the bedroom as well. I want to talk a little bit about the concept of sexual polarity because learning new things, new technique things is one way to, you know, stoke the attraction and the excitement between you. And then there is also awareness of how our sexual attraction works with each other. Uh, we work like magnets. One of us operates in one polarity and the other operates in another polarity. I'm going to be talking about men and women for the sake of this podcast, because as we've discussed, this is a pretty hetero conversation that we're having. But I want to note that uh, this isn't a concept that uh, that only applies to a hetero situation. Even in a same-sex couple, you're still operating with one person in one polarity and one in the other. And that is how the attraction functions. That's why you have that that feeling that you want each other, that you that you're pulled towards each other. Without polarity, we're simply parallel living. And that's platonic. Those are our friends where like you know, I don't know if you've ever been with someone where you're like, man, I really want to feel attracted to this person, but I just don't. It's, it's because the polarity is not there. The magnet is not online. And there can be multiple reasons for that. But we may need an entire polarity episode because it is a, uh, a meaty topic. And I, I may want to actually bring in a friend for that. Yeah, I, I know one client right, right off the top of my head that I'm sure would love to hear the answer to that. To the how, polarity conversation. Yeah, how, 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 the, how the polarity could be changed and that she could be attracted. Yes. Um, once again, th- yes. it's just not there. The, yeah. the, the attraction's not coming. I do teach specifically about polarity some in my blowjob course. I talk about how in the feminine polarity, which again is not gender specific, but we're talking about men and women here, And the feminine, I talk about how we can create an energetic invitation for a man, how to embody receptivity, basically, and uh, stoke our own energy and shift our end of the dynamic in a way that that basically like pulls a man in. You know what it feels like when, when a woman's in her juicy energy and you feel magnetized to her, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I teach how to do that. There's some very specific things that we can do physically and also awarenesses that we need to have for ourselves in order to stoke our own juicy energy. And so that is one of the 
one of the polarity resources I have, one of, one of the ways that uh, you can definitely have an impact on the attraction in your relationship. If you do not feel attracted to your partner, the mistake that a lot of people make is they, they try to ask things of their partner to like, hey, do this for me or meet me here. Or uh, basically the, the fix attempt comes in the form of an ask. One of the biggest things that I teach over and over and over again in all of my intimacy work is that relationships are a dance. We are responsible for our own footwork only. We cannot direct the footwork of the other person. If you want to change the dynamic, you must focus on your own footwork and let the other person fall in step with you. That's the only way that you can shift an energetic dynamic with someone. You cannot tell them, hey, shift this for me. So the attraction piece, you know, for women, when, when, there, when there's no yummy, we're attracted to each other energy in the relationship, we need to turn ourselves on. So I talk a lot about this in the blowjob course, how we turn ourselves on, how we juice up that energy and get ourselves feeling in a space where we literally feel sexy, just all on our own. And then we go out into the world and we move with that or, you know, move through the house and draw our man into the bedroom. But there's the feminine the feminine leads with the invitation basically we create the space where that he wants to come into we are the flower he's the honeybee <laughs> and a lot of the times in the case of missing attraction uh, a woman's flower is pretty wilty pretty wilty and no shame in that for for any women there are lots of things that will wilt our flower that that we're not necessarily aware of but if you're in a space where you realize you got a wilty flower like you need to water yourself. You need to nurture yourself. You need to bring your bloom all the way back. And that invites in the honeybee. The honeybee doesn't water us. The honeybee doesn't nurture us. The honeybee just visits and enjoys us. Right? I mean, it's that's the extent of <laughs> this analogy because men actually do nurture us in lots of ways. But when it comes to attraction, we are responsible for stoking our own fire. Once uh, that's from like a dead space. Once we're stoking our own fire, we literally feed off each other, right? Men, like a man wanting you, that turns you on, right? That makes you go, I love when he wants me, right? Then it becomes a, a dynamic that feeds on itself. And, and, you know, you wanting him and him wanting you and back and forth and, and it gets hotter and hotter. How about the situation where he wants her, but she doesn't want him? He needs to connect with his heart, man. Like if, if she doesn't want him, it's because there's something that isn't feeling safe for her or there's something unexpressed or there's something that has her feeling stressed or distracted or overwhelmed or whatever where she's disconnected from him. So if if you're wanting her and she's not available to you, then, then that's your time to like plug into the other areas of her life. Where do you need more support in your life? Where, what isn't working for you that I can help with so that, so that we can dance better together, right? Most women who like their, their flowers all wilty and they've been doing some self-sacrificing. They've been letting their energy drain in various directions. They've been failing to 
make good boundaries around their need for space or rest or pleasure. And these are all things that men can help with. Like if you see that the woman in your life, one of, one of our favorite things, we all talk about this. We, we love men who like track our hydration. <laughs> men who are like, have you had enough water today? <laughs> it's like a thing. And basically like that attitude can be extended everywhere. You know, if you notice her flower is wilted and you would like to help bring it back, there are lots of things you can offer as a man, but it, which is totally different than us expecting that from you or asking that from you as a way to fix our own problem, right? I teach women the responsibility lies with you because you cannot drag your needs out of another person. It just doesn't work like that. And men... You will score big time if you use those opportunities to find a way to, to take care of her flower and, and to help her build more support into her life. Or, you know, maybe, maybe she needs a system somewhere to support her better, or maybe she, something needs to be fixed that will make her life a little easier. Or maybe she needs to not worry about what's for dinner tonight with the kids and just, and needs to be like sent off to a bathtub and she'll be a whole new woman tomorrow. There are so many, many constant demands on women. Unless we are actively learning how to make space for our own needs and amply take care of ourselves in our lives, we are running ragged. So most women are still learning how to, how to like really juicy meet these needs because we are not taught how to do that. And many of us are coming out of very neglectful relationships with self. One of the most successful coaching containers that I have is a container uh, dedicated to self-devotion. And the original container uh, has been going for almost two years now uh, with myself and three of my friends who are also my clients. And for two years now, we have all been working on our, our embodiment of self-devotion in working on how we take care of ourselves. We use a structure of a just a basic visual checklist like any five-year-old would need. <laughs> visual tools happen to be very helpful for, for people who are neurodivergent and also people who struggle with self-neglect, having, having that visual reminder is really powerful. So we use a checklist that has some um, some flexibility built into it to you know honor our state. And then we meet once a week and do a check-in around where we are with self-devotion. And we ask ourselves three questions. The first of it, which is what is my why today? Why am I engaging in this in this practice to deepen into self-devotion? Uh, the second question is what emotions are coming up and, and how do I need to tend to them? And the third question is, am I in my integrity? Uh, which is by far the most challenging question because as our awareness grows and deepens, where our integrity lies shifts, <laughs> where our sense of integrity lies shifts. There is, there is sort of this through line of truth that runs through us when that is like our authentic self and we get closer to that. So can you elaborate just a little bit on what you mean 
by self-devotion? Yeah. Self-devotion was the the word shift that I chose from self-discipline. A lot of people that struggle with habit forming and and particularly with taking care of themselves really struggle with the word discipline. And devotion to me felt deeper. Devotion is is love in action and there's a deep loyalty there. And when we set an intention in our lives, for example, the intention to deepen into self-devotion, as long as we are continually taking action in the direction of that intention, change happens, growth happens, evolution happens. So that's how I create a lot of my, my coaching containers is we set this very simple but very far-reaching intention that we can essentially deepen into forever. And then we allow, you know, that space to reveal itself as we go and, and uh, to move us in the direction of that intention. I started the group myself because I have always, this is, this is a real vulnerable share, uh, I have always struggled with hitting my marks on my brushing my teeth twice a day and flossing once a day. And I was really tired of experiencing shame around that because I was like, I'm a woman in her 30s. <laughs> I should have this down. And throughout this journey, I've learned that actually many adults struggle with simple tasks like this because not only are there experiences of neglect, but there are also experiences of resistance and people just plain developing refusal to, to engage with, with certain activities. And that's how we can get really stuck in our own self-care because usually those resistances and things are, are you know, rooted in some traumatic experience we had that didn't feel good to go through and, and you know, so we adapted best we could and kind of made things work best we could. And then you get to a certain point in your life and you realize, okay, best I could ain't really working for me anymore. It's starting to break down. And so I am a person with ADHD and having a checklist in front of me on the mirror that I could, you know, give myself, uh, I get a dopamine hit every time I cross off one of the, one of the items and I have, I have the X's. And then as I go, I get a dopamine hit every time I look at it and see like the X's start to build up over time and like, good job, me making progress. And, you know, the visual representation is a bit like hitting the dopamine button. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and uh, we very much need that dopamine for these kind of small tasks. They don't have any immediate inherent reward for us. So people with executive function issues can have a really hard time pushing the go button on those those tasks that seem rewardless in the moment. So the checklist actually provides that little bit of reward because when you know when you look at it, you get to feel proud of yourself and you get to see yourself creating progress. And so in the couple years um, that I've been running this original group, I've got to watch all of us really evolve in the way that we take care of ourselves. And we all went from, pretty extremely neglectful relationship to taking care of our own bodies and, and our own needs to uh, now really flourishing in this level of care that, for example, my skincare regime has just become 
very luxurious and very enjoyable. And I, I got myself all the best things. And it's this me time that I spend with myself. And if you had asked me a couple of years ago, if that would have been a reality in my life, I've been like, I can't even like put water on my face most days because I'm just like not motivated to do it. So that level, like the, the self-devotion is this foundational layer that feeds knowing you're sexy, knowing you're beautiful, knowing you're special, knowing you're important, knowing you matter because you are actively showing yourself that day in and day out in all these ways. And over time, you are expanding in the ways that you are showing yourself how much you matter. So important. So important. I mean, it sounds like a really involved way to focus on taking care of yourself. It's really magical. It's also... I'm getting ready to create an, a new container with with this structure. It's an opportunity to really intimately connect with other women. Um, actually, people, I'm open to men taking part in this one coming up, but sharing about our integrity, sharing about our emotions that are coming up, sharing about why we're motivated to uh, deepen and improve our relationship with ourselves is all real vulnerable, raw stuff. And when you are consistently coming back with a group of people and sharing from your heart in that way, it's incredibly healing just to be seen on that level alone, just to be known and to be held in a, in a space that is unconditionally loving as you're acknowledging the areas where you still feel you need to grow and, and things that you're working towards. Yeah, uh, by far one of the most valuable spaces I've created and uh, and one of the most impactful. Sweet. So uh, how how would people contact you? Via my website. Yeah, via my website. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. And so we're getting a little closer to the end here. Not done yet. The next thing we were going to is uh, we were going to ask a question of the audience. Is that right? We are happy to receive answers in email. You're also just welcome to explore this in your journal on your own. But after after having listened listen to this conversation on what sensual confidence is, I wanted to ask you just what your current relationship is to confidence in general and how you feel about yourself. Because we like to tell ourselves lots of stories about how we feel about ourselves and how we're doing in our lives and you know what's going on for us. And so my challenge is a vulnerable moment with yourself to really acknowledge, you know, on a scale from one to 10, how confident do you feel? And if there are areas where your confidence is lacking, you know, looking at what what you think you might need in order to build that confidence. If you come to a number that is low, I invite you to reach out to me and schedule a call with me just to explore if uh, working together to develop your confidence is the right thing for you. So you can certainly uh, communicate with me too. I definitely am a big proponent of bolstering your confidence in any way I can and doing whatever I can to allow you to 
flourish in your confidence, whether I'm helping you or not. Um, because one of the things that some people will say is, oh, I'm going to do something to empower you. And that isn't the way I see it. Um, the way I see it is you are already empowered. And uh, sometimes you just need other people to show you that they can and will get out of the way for you to take your power. And once you start taking your power, you will have confidence with it. I mean, it's that's part of what confidence is about is being in control of your power. So um, like, like working any muscle, right? Like if your confidence muscle is weak, the remedy is getting out into the world with some tools and support relating to confidence and practicing building that muscle. Because every time we put ourselves in an experience, we're putting evidence in the bank. We are showing ourselves, look, I can move with confidence. Look, look what happens when I walk with my power and my radiant energy. Look, look what happens when uh, a man compliments me at the store and I don't immediately shut myself down and go into troll mode, but instead just say thank you and graciously receive and walk away. There's the more we show ourselves we can be safe to have these experiences and that beyond safe, they can be pleasurable and enjoyable, the more we're going to be able to walk in that belief that, that you know, we're, we're okay from moment to moment, that we are free to be entirely ourselves and to express ourselves authentically and to fully enjoy being present and here in our bodies and know that we're safe doing so. Absolutely. All right. Well, if you've got any questions about confidence, get in touch with us. I think that's the end of this show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.